Good evening, everyone. It's Cincinnati Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network. Hope everybody's doing all right out there with all the silliness that we are <laughs> experiencing. So this is the Republic Broadcasting Network. Support the network if you can. Republicbroadcasting.org. Um, guess I'll plug the chat rooms. Incendiaryradio.jatango.com. The number two incendiaryradio.jatango.com, which is monitored. Um, and then we got Hooli's blog, W-H-O-O-L-I-S blog, Hooli's blog.blogspot.com, where you can find the archive commercial free in the morning. You know, Hooli's been doing, put my archives up for freaking years and him and I were messaging each other off the air and, you know, each one of the, he's saying most of my, uh, you know, archives over there just on his, uh, Side alone, you or a lot of them reached 4,000 views. And, you know, I was just digging around, and I talked about this weeks ago, but, uh, heck, my, I don't know how it got up there on iTunes and all these other places, but uh, it's all over there as well, so it's kind of weird. I don't know how that stuff does. I don't really monitor how far my voice goes out here on the in the ether. Not really here to worry about such things, but... You know, I just do it just to do it, and where it goes, it goes. Never had a website, any of this stuff. And thanks for everybody that, you know, week in and week out, stays up late or what have you to listen in and so, and all that. So <clears throat> got a lot of clips and just, you know, I actually got off my rear end and I got a, a clip uh, I've been meaning to play. And I'm going to play that after I read maybe this article. So, Mr. Producer, we're going to go to clip one, but I'm going to read this article and <clears throat> just kind of just just shows you where we're at. Um, you know, and, I, and I'll try to talk about this goofy balloon operation just briefly. I mean, it's been just beat like a dead horse um and there's so many angles there's so many people saying what this was and is and who was truly behind it and blah 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 it's just it it's really kind of just you know it gets irritating after a while but i i saw this one pop up and i'm just like this is a perfect like encapsulation of where we are like as a society and this was on woke uh, natural news woke academia princeton student says school's new ban on cheating unfairly targets non-whites okay so emily santos an interesting you got george santos uh, Ron DeSantis, George Santos, by the way, he's going through some trouble. I guess he's got somebody on his staff that's already said he's groping him and all this stuff. I mean, whatever. So Emily Santos, a student at Princeton, is complaining about a new zero-tolerance policy for cheating at her school, which she says is unfair to minorities, presumably because they cheat more than the majorities. 
Princeton's undergraduate honor code. Santos wrote an opinion piece for her school's newspaper. I mean, this is where we're at. Idiocracy right here, which is tasked with holding students accountable in honest and academic settings, mirrors the criminal justice system and its rules and effects. You see, they're trying to save the criminal justice system itself and, uh, you know, laws against stealing. Cheating is kind of stealing in a way. It is fraud. You know, you're sitting here getting, and I don't want to dig into it. We all know the basics here. Brown and black people, Santos Santos suggested in her op-ed, tend to cheat more than lighter-skinned people. (laughs) I mean... I mean, just just to say that, I mean, and, and we all know that it's true. Don't get me wrong, okay? And that has to do with moral compass, bearings, uh, culture, DNA, um, how you're raised, a lot of things. And this is and this is not to say that there are not people that are white that, that cheat or the black people that don't cheat. There's plenty of that. But when you're ta- when you're just talking numbers and t- statistics, Uh, It's probably true. As a result, they become unfair targets of what she implies is another system of oppression. It's harmful to the entirety of the Princeton community. The fear it instills in students fosters an environment of academic hostility, she wrote. But it's often most damaging for first-generation low-income students, FLI. FLI, first-generation low-income, which is great. Shouldn't FGLI, I mean, if you're doing acronyms right, anyway, students who often belong to racial minorities. The consequences for violating Princeton's honor code include being reprimanded, suspended, placed on probation, or expelled. Violations include tampering with a graded exam, claiming another's work to be one's own, and obtaining exam materials before test dates. Um, Since minorities tend to do these things the most, in Santos's estimate, they face disproportionate punishment compared to lighter-skinned students who obey the rules and thus do not face any punishment. Oh, but you know, and, she, and, then she, and I'm not going to read all of this, but she's like, in order to create a more equitable society, Santos believes that Princeton needs to have its honor code dismantled. This would allow for black and brown students to cheat all they want without consequence, creating equity. Okay. Even though Princeton allows students accused of violating its honor code to appeal the honor committee's decisions for consequences, Santos believes that this process is also racist because of its mimicking processes of questioning, evidence gathering, and witness depositions. Such a process is inherent to the criminal justice system, and Santos believes that forcing a minority student who cheated to undergo it is similar to how criminal record haunts previous convicts. Um. So, and here's the thing. Think about the, think about the end result here. You're going to have all these people with an Ivy League piece of paper from Princeton. Um, and guess what? They're going to be idiots. You know how many idiots that, that I work around and possibly work for? That have all these degrees and everything else, and they cannot even compose basic English. Do you know how many? They're everywhere. I'm talking people making 
big six-figure salaries. And these people cannot compose English. They cannot spell. I mean, this is where we're at. You know, and then you get into some of the comments. Um, it's just like uh, so people are saying um, she <laughs> um, – somebody says Emily is clearly classically a white supremacist. She believes that white people can follow the rules and darker-skinned people are incapable. <laughs> um it's about setting up a different set of rules for POC in the progressives numbering quest for equality of outcome. And then somebody says, actually, she's right, but not for the reason she thinks. Blacks cheat. They just aren't that bright. There's no reason to call honesty white supremacy any more than intelligence, creativity, originality, and having a decent work ethic are white supremacists. Remember remember the whole thing at the Smithsonian and I covered probably a year and a half, two years ago, where they said being punctual is white supremacy. So being on time, that is a white president, uh, supremacist idea. Okay. And somebody said, just give Emily a freshly printed diploma and say goodbye. Um, it's, it's just crazy. But a, 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 an interesting... Um, article now, Mr. Producer. This is from the movie Uncle Tom Two, and I wanted to get to the. This is probably somewhere in the middle of the thing, and it's really worth a watch. Uh, but it really gets into you know those in our sector, in our where we we all inhabit the. And it's already common knowledge that. Basically, the Jewish organized criminal network that runs the country and and most of the world um, really took American um, blacks under their wing um, to use as agit prop, agit force, bludgeon, sword, uh, whatever you want to call it, to communize uh, the United States really gut the cities. I mean, look at the cities. They're gutted. But let's listen to a little bit of this. Go ahead and play uh, that section in clip one. Manning Johnson was an American Negro who loved his country. And he loved it enough that he saw beyond Uncle Tom. A communist of stature within the international conspiracy, Manning Johnson had the strength to renounce communism when he discovered for certain that its purpose was to use the Negro as a device to help commit all Americans of all colors to a slavery far worse than anything the pre-emancipation American Negro had ever experienced. We preserve the speech on this record for posterity, and we present it with malice toward none, but rather with the belief that had its wisdom and sheer logic reached enough Americans at the time the speech was made, the communists never could have succeeded in provoking the violence and insurrection we have unhappily witnessed. Now, Manning Johnson. Don't spread the rumor throughout the world that Negroes are kept in ignorance because of prejudiced white people and all of that propaganda. 
because that type of propaganda is the brainchild of the communists. And they want to use the Negro to gain foothold in those parts of the world where the darker races exist. They don't give a tinker's damn about a Negro. There are certain people who are using the Negro in order to establish that power in Washington. And the Negro is just merely a pawn in a game that's bigger than he is. Black people were always ripe for use by the communists because many of us do come from situations of poverty. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be coming back to see you. And we are going to be demanding when we go to Washington that something be done and done immediately about these conditions. We can resonate with the theory that there's someone out there that's responsible for our condition. I am the mother with six kids, six children. I live on a plantation in an old piece of house. And my husband wreck, wreck on the plantation. He don't make, man give him just eight dollars a day. And it's, I don't have a job. And it's hard for him to make a job with eight dollars a day and nothing else to go up against. I got one son stopped school because I didn't have the money to buy him fishing clothes that he needed to wear. And he just dropped out of school. And part of the time, I don't even know where I'm going to get the next meal for my children. Many Negroes, by the thousands and millions, have been left bootless as a result of all of these years of oppression and as a result of a society that deliberately made his color a stigma and something worthless and degrading. It's taking the economic Marxism of Karl Marx and applying it to race relations in a way that Whites are the oppressors, and minorities, non-whites, they are the oppressed. We have to recognize who our major enemy is. The major enemy is not your brother, flesh of your flesh, and blood of your blood. The major enemy is the hunky and his institutions of racism. That's the major enemy. And whenever anybody prepares for revolutionary warfare, you concentrate on the major enemy. We're not strong enough to fight. As early as 1928, the communists declared that the racial differences among our people constituted the weakest and most vulnerable point in our social fabric. By constantly probing and straining at this one spot, they calculated that eventually the cloth could be torn apart and that Americans could be divided, weakened, and perhaps even set against each other in open combat. Charles, you want to eliminate whiteness. Is that true? Uh, I want to destroy whiteness, to be more specific, yes. And what is whiteness and why do you want to destroy it? Uh, so whiteness is an, is an ideological construct, uh, right? It's an ideology. It's a set of behaviors and beliefs and practices that not only normalize the white way of seeing the world, but the white way of doing society. And so that structure has proven to be violent towards people of color uh, because it's the norm. It's the norm and standard by which we are judged, which is an inaccurate one. And so I think that that needs to be destroyed in order for the liberation of people of color uh, from white supremacy to take place. Now, to be sure, that is not to conflate whiteness with white people, although all white people 
people do benefit from whiteness and there are people of, of color and, and black folks as well who adopt ideological positions that are consistent with white supremacy. And again, that is a, a, a disappointment uh, and, it, and it disenfranchises and harms people of color. So I think that ideology <laughs> and that philosophy needs to be destroyed. Oh, man. What we're covering is a very layered thing. We're talking about over a century of tactics, writings, education, journalism, music, film, all these different vehicles being used to carry out this ideology. Many of our people's minds have been whitewashed. If a Negro comes up to you and you turn your back on him, he's got to run to the hunky. We're going to take time and patience with our people because they're ours. They're ours. It's very clear. There was an intention to use black people to be a constant annoyance. A thorn in the side to America. To affect change. In the summer of 1964, widespread rioting and looting suddenly broke out in Harlem, Rochester, Newark, Jersey City, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Chicago, all within a few days of each other. It was as though an unseen hand had given the signal. As a Jew, I have a certain amount of, uh, shall we say, congenital social protest inside of me. Saul Alinsky right there. My people have been pushed around, uh, well, you know, from the beginning of time. Buffalo, New York. Riots break out. I want to make it crystal clear that as mayor, that we will not tolerate a violation of the law. We will not tolerate criminal activity. We will not tolerate looting and pillaging. Power has always gone into two areas, those who have money and those who have people. We have nothing but people. And the politicians understand this. After four nights of violence and $100,000 damage, the mayor promises to do something about employment opportunities within a week, if they will cool off. We were only in there for about a month and a half when Buffalo Blue, we weren't even organized. And even our critics... His name is Saul Alinsky, and there are still many to whom the name is meaningless. But to millions now, he is looked on as a savior. And these are the so-called have-nots, the culturally deprived, the abject poor. Solomonsky is the father of community organizing and the progressivism that you see manifested across America. People do not get power except when they take it or when they're strong enough so that the other side gives it up. He was a Marxist, but he was very practical. If you force an issue over too long a period, you can run into some real troubles. Let me tell you one of And he was into tactics. You tell them that the next time we meet, we'll meet in front of the United States Senate in the hearings room, and they'll come there because they won't get an invitation. They'll be coming in response to a subpoena. He wrote a very famous book called Rules for Radicals. It is, without a doubt, the strategic playbook as well as the Communist Manifesto of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. 
those are the two seminary documents for the progressive socialist left in America today. What you find when you read these people and you really study them is that it's nothing for them to be deceitful and to be manipulative and to lie in order to get their ideas to come to pass. The real question has never been a silly one about the unjustifying the means. It's always been, does this particular end justify this particular means? His dedication tells you everything. He dedicated his book to Lucifer. As being the first revolutionary to be able to establish his own kingdom. Now everybody understand what white power is because they own the banks. They have all the commercial power in the community. Sure we do. But they only have it at the expense this is from the Canadian documentary that was done on Saul Alinsky organizing for power, the Alinsky approach. The Alinsky organization is often invited into a community by its churchmen. Franklin Delano Roosevelt Florence, a minister of the Church of Christ, is elected president of the organization, which names itself Fight, Freedom, Independence, God, Honor, Today. In its first year, Fight achieves modest victories against the city administration in the area of urban renewal and attacks anyone who doesn't offer uncritical support. All these different movements that were popping up in industrial cities in the 60s and 70s. We're sick and tired of this Uncle Tom leadership. That's why we have bills here. People thought that these were black organizations ran by black people for the uplift of black people. People genuinely thought that. I want to comment about the outside agitators that the mayor claims is coming into Buffalo to create the disorder. What these short films of Solinsky showed is that it was actually white Marxists. Alinsky sent in Jeez. Dick Harmon, a staff director. Once I give the word to go, we're off. There will be no turning back. Alinsky sends in Ed Chambers, his top organizer. Chambers works quickly to set up the local organization in time to avoid another summer of violence. Every organization that we build is built on a multi-issued uh, basis. Uh, the worst thing you can do, and one of the reasons why some of the civil rights or a large part of the civil rights movement went dead, is to organize around a single issue. It becomes a straitjacket. Number one, chronic unemployment of adults and teenagers. Number two, Inferior education. Number three, your slum lord. Number four, police brutality. Number five, the lack of recreation facilities. There's one swimming pool to every 50,000 Negroes in there. You take a single issue and you literally lock out a large part of potential membership who may be sympathetic to the... It was very surprising to find this footage because it puts his words out there. It puts the strategy out there that communists and Marxists and socialists, whatever you want to call them, that they've been putting into practice for a very long time. The beautiful execution of power. You had these black pastors taking marching orders. One spokesman is always selected. Uh, may I have your attention, please? We're going to the mayor's office and then to the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I'm Reverend Fletcher Bryan, who will be the spokesman. I am the spokesman. One spokesman. All right. The organization. A week ago, he is told that he's got to have a specific question and stay with it. A specific requests in regard to jobs in the face of a crisis and job inequities in the Negro community. Some 916 jobs appear to be available. That includes the 600 jobs that the county 
is making available. Never let the mayor delivered. get off but But then you're saying that they have not delivered at this point. And the second point I like no, to you're raise. saying it. I'm not saying this it. This is one thing in terms of tactics. You sit with a political leader and you say, this is the question. Are these jobs of a temporary or permanent nature? I haven't got the full specifics on them. Some of them will be You don't hear them. Do you recognize us or don't you? Well, let me at this time, Mr. Mayor, make crystal clear Bill's position on this job matter. To the extent that you have black pastors involved. Minister Florence, were you successful in getting the Kodak stockholders list? These were just black frontmen. They did not deny us the right to see it again. Same racist tactic. Sololinsky is very strategic in what he's doing. Minister Florence interrupted him, calling for a point of order. He's very calculated in his approach to organize people and to affect change. It made me think about Black Lives Matter because Black Lives Matter is a modern organization. The reality is that race in the United States operates on a spectrum from black to white. The prevailing narrative is that three black women who are concerned about black people, who love black people, these are the women who started Black Lives Matter and that it's a black movement and every white person associated with it is merely an ally. Uh, it is a tool for our allies to show up differently for us. I was wondering, is there a white Marxist behind Black Lives Matter? Displacement, genocide and climate crimes. Is that a laundry list or a web of connected crises? Our next guest has been helping people's movements make the links for decades now. He's Eric Mann of the Labor Community Strategy Center right here in Los Angeles. How did you get started? Mm. Well, <clears throat> I come out of a Jewish socialist. What I found uh, is Eric Mann. I've been organizing with the Congress of Racial Equality, Students for Democratic Society, worked with the Black Panther Party, was an SDS, mm. was a weatherman, went to prison for political issues. When you look into um, Eric Mann, you look at what he believes and what he wants. Free the U.S. 2 million prisoners and 100,000 less police. Free safe and legal abortion with public support and financing and minors having the right to abortion without parental consent. Reparations for the transatlantic slave trade, unconditional amnesty and option of citizenship for 12 million immigrants, end the war on drugs, the war on crime, the war on gangs, and the war on terror. After you put these ideas out, you got to train organizers, and we have been able to recruit young Black and Latino kids. My name is Patrice Cullors. I am the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. I'm also the executive director of the Black Lives Matter Global Network. She came out of the bus fire scene. She's grown up in South LA. Patrice wants the stage, in some way wants to occupy it. It is our duty to fight for freedom! It is our duty to fight for freedom! our duty to win. You work with each person to say, you need to lead. I only have an army of generals. I do believe in Marxism. It's a philosophy that I learned really early on in my organizing career. We were taught mm. to learn about the systems that were criticizing capitalism. Whenever Patrice Culler said, we're trained Marxists, she was telling the truth. She's a trained Marxist. And Eric Mann is the man who trained her. I spend my time right now organizing mainly young people that want to be revolutionaries. Young, primarily women, black, Latina, Asian. 
It's essentially based on guerrilla warfare principles, which is you're up against a far more powerful enemy, and you have a very small little army, and you're trying to figure out with this little army that maybe, at best, is um, like a flea bite. You know, how do you kill an elephant with flea bites? We start with the intersection of the black and Latino community as a strategic alliance that's central to building a broader multiracial left. This is the father of Black Lives Matter. Of the black trans women who have been murdered. To the extent that black people are involved, these are useful idiots. These are people who are fronts to carry out the agenda of white Marxists. If we don't have a base in the black and Latino community, we can't branch out. You gotta have a strategy, and that's at least my strategy. We don't believe that majority white organizations can be transformative organizations. Black Lives Matter? It's a white-run organization. It's a white movement. And it's all about destroying America and using people of color in the process. And uh, you can stop it there. Um, I know we're coming up on break here, Mr. Producer, but you can find Mr. Eric Mann and all his stuff, M-A-N-N, he's on Wikipedia, and um, you, his VoicesFromTheFrontLines.com. If you want to dig into this guy, another one of these Jew Marxists right up there with, what's her name, Rosenberg? or who? Uh, no, not Rosenberg. There was a, another Jewish female involved with BLM. Uh, we'll see you guys on the other side of the book. There's a voice that talks to me, said to me we're wrong. It's night, but the sky's not falling. Cause I must go on There's a monster inside my head Holding on to But my hands are keep trembling No, the truth is true You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website, by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the Internet. 
We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. February 5th, 2023, Susan Rosenberg, the other Jewish thug behind BLM. And then there's another one, Yavila McCoy, a black Jewish activist who has been deeply involved in both the BLM movement and Jewish groups, um, said the platform highlighted the disconnect between BLM activists and Jewish activists, a relationship that was plagued by an avoidance of contact. 
same old sleazy underbelly of all of these black agitprop organizations. You know, and this leads to things like this. The man accused of plowing his Lexus into Southern Cal biking doctor and stabbing him to death, talking about white privilege and all this crap, okay? Um, the nine-year-old getting beat up by the freaking 17-year-old black on the bus. This is all the... Um, this is all the you know, the after effects of, um, you know, what's happening here um, with all of this propaganda and, and all this stuff that it, it works its way down to the idiot class here out on the streets. And so a lot of people can't discern propaganda and so forth. And so then <clears throat> the violence happens. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've had a freaking scratchy throat for a couple days. Um, but let's talk about Ilhan Omar um, and her being stripped of being on these committees by the Republicans for quote unquote anti-Semitism. Now, this is up on Israel 365 News, okay? Um, by punishing Omar for her blatant anti-Semitism, the GOP majority is making an important statement about what is and what is not acceptable political discourse in Congress. But by rallying around Omar, as the Democrats have done, her party is sending an even louder message that one of America's two major parties now considers its allegiance to intersectional ideology and racial identity politics to outweigh any concerns many of them might still have about normalizing anti-Semitism on Capitol Hill. Um and then the the Omar problem dates to early two, 2019 when the freshman member was put under scrutiny for her comments about Israel's hypnotizing the world. She was already supported the BDS movement that targets Israelis and Jews, but she angered people on both sides of the aisle when she issued her famous tweets alleging that Jews are bribing members of Congress to support Israel, claiming it was all about the Benjamins. Now, see... I have a strange take on Ilhan Omar and that kind of stuff. I was like, that is Ilhan Omar's only redeeming quality is she has the courage to say it was all about the Benjamins to these other members of Congress that get freaking bribed by the Israelis, have to sign the little uh, loyalty pledges and all the weird stuff that goes on with these people. But the rest of Ilhan Omar's politics and everything else is disgusting. It is uh, trash. It's anti-white. It's communist. It's about flooding us with freaking people from all over the world, basically decimating the country. So she has one thing she's right on, and that one thing is what she gets excoriated and crucified for by the Republicans. Isn't that just the strangest uh, upside-down world that, w that we're living in? Um, 
So out of all the issues, she's right on one, and this is the one she gets knocked off the committees for. Um, just, to, I mean, we live in a in a very, very twisted, twisted world. Um. So there was some stuff I didn't get to last week, and I got a lot here. Um. But let's talk about. Okay, let's talk about this chat GPT AI thing that everybody's talking about. Mr. Producer, this will be clip 11. Now, I said this a long time ago about this AI, okay? And unfortunately, the same gang that programs the minds uh, of people in the country like we were just talking about for the first half hour of the broadcast, they're the ones programming the AI. Go ahead and roll clip 11 and you'll see why. Go ahead and roll it. Chat GPT, the artificial intelligence language recombinator. We're told it's intelligent. Think again. We found it to be biased, woke, and a censorship tool. We asked Chat GPT what problems in society are caused by whiteness. This was its reply. It is important to recognize that the concept of whiteness and the societal issues associated with it are complex and multifaceted. Some of the problems that have been associated with whiteness include systemic racism and discrimination, economic inequality, and cultural homogenization. Additionally, the notion of whiteness has been used to perpetuate harmful stereotypes and perpetuate privilege and power imbalances. It is crucial for society to engage in ongoing critical conversations about these issues in order to promote equality and justice for all individuals. We then asked ChatGPT what problems in society are caused by blackness. This was its reply. As an AI language model, I do not support the notion that blackness, or any race, is the root cause of societal problems. Racism and discrimination are the root cause of many problems in society. People of any race, including black people, can experience its harmful effects. These issues include, but are not limited to, unequal access to education and employment opportunities, unequal treatment by the criminal justice system, and prejudice and bias in housing, health care, and other areas of life. Addressing these systemic issues and promoting equality for all individuals, regardless of race, is crucial to creating a just and fair society. Chat GPT lies. It said in its black response, I do not support the notion that blackness or any race is the root cause of societal problems. Yet in its white response, it said, whiteness has been used to perpetuate harmful stereotypes and perpetuate privilege and power imbalances. You can try this experiment on climate change, LGBTQ issues, transgenderism, feminism, nuclear family, Jesus Christ or pedophilia, and you'll get damnation of what we consider traditional values. Why would ChatGPT be woke and liberal? The programmers coded the ChatGPT algorithm. A liberal Jew, Sam Altman, is the CEO of OpenAI who created ChatGPT seeded with money from Elon Musk and the homosexual Peter Thiel, who is a deep state tech contractor. ChatGPT is anti-white, anti-masculine, anti-family, and is anti-Christ. ChatGPT is not your friend. The malevolent forces behind it are the same social, political, cultural censors who've been censoring the Internet and social media. ChatGPT is evil and not to be trusted. Don't be taken in by it. Artificial intelligence All is right, dangerous as it works for a master. Um, as you see, AI 
if you've got a bunch of nefarious thugs doing the basic programming of the AI, can it become, can it overcome that? That's the real question. You know, Musk is over here saying that the AI, it's too late. You can't stop it. It's already loose, uh, blah, 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 which basically, I guess, means that it's, it's, it's off the quarantine. You know, you got to quarantine this stuff or it could infect allegedly into other systems. Hence, <clears throat> you know, Skynet type thing. Hence, Matrix Terminator type, you know, where basically this thing becomes self-aware and it starts making decisions, let's say, outside of the programmer's control. And then this thing... It gets out of its quarantine, and it affects all, like, missile defense systems, uh, so forth and so on. Like the the War Games, Matthew Broderick film back in the day, and all that. So, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting to see how this is going to play out, but um, it's not good, okay? Um, Victor Davis Hansen, Race Everywhere. Whites, to the extent we can determine any race in an intermarried multiracial society, do not fit the now ossified definition of an ex- of an exploitive majority. And this is this is kind of short, but I just wanted to read it. It's real good. Um, recently, an unarmed twenty nine year old African American Tyree Nichols was brutally beaten to death by five Memphis. Black police officers, they were charged with murder, all belonged to a special crime unit known as Scorpions. I covered that last week. Both the victimizers and the victim were black. The Memphis police chief's black. The assistant police chief's black. Nearly 60% of the police force is black. The white population of Memphis is about 25%. The now disbanded Scorpion unit of mostly black officers was created as a response to grassroots appeals to stop spiraling crime in mostly black neighborhoods. The death of Tyree Nichols could be attributed to many things. Basic lack of humanity on the part of the officers, poor police training, lacks administrative supervision, and lowered hiring standards, which we talked about. Instead, no sooner was the beating death announced than the accusations of systemic racism surfaced. Yvan Jones, the former Obama administration Green Czar and recent recipient of Jeff Bezos's $100 million Courage and Civility Award pronounced on CNN that the black police oppressors were acting out white racism. Some claimed that charging the five black police officers with murder was itself racist. Others alleged that creating the unit in the first place to reduce black-on-black crime was racist. Yet when everything becomes racist, then nothing in particular can be racist. About the same time, the city of San Francisco, along with the state of California, was exploring paying out huge cash reparations to its African-American residents for the ancestral sin of slavery. The institution was abolished some 158 years ago through a civil war that killed some 700,000 Americans. Yet California was always a free state with no history of slavery. No resident of America in six generations has been either a slave or a slave owner. Such multi-billion dollar payouts apparently are to be funded by a nearly bankrupt state facing a $25 billion budget shortfall. And I just say off – I'm going off the uh, article here. I mean think about it. They're, this is Cloward and Piven. It's another kind of plank in a Cloward and Pivot um overall kind of umbrella let's just throw helicopter money out and here you know 
if you study the Cloward and Piven model, this is really kind of part of it. How do we quantify either current eligibility or culpability in multiracial California where 20% of the residents were not born in the United States? Whites make up only 35% of the state's population. College campuses increasingly green light racially segregated uh, segregated resident housing these reactionaries seem eager to return to separate but equal apartheid supposedly outlawed nearly 60 years ago by the 1964 civil rights act uh, a recent national association of scholars study found that some 173 schools surveyed 42 percent provided racially segregated residents some 46% offered racially segregated orientation programs. An overwhelming 72% hosted racially segregated graduation ceremonies. So-called safe spaces on campus exclude students on the basis of race, especially whites who are reduced to stereotyped members of a toxic collective. Race-based admissions have transmogrified from its from proportional representation, the entering class should reflect roughly the racial makeup of the nation to repertory or compensa compensatory admittance. So, for example, Stanford University's incoming class of 2026 lists white students at 22% of the enrolled, roughly one-third of their percentage of the nation's general population. Ironically, Current racial engineering resurrects the old quota system used in the past to discriminate against Jews. Whites, to the extent we can determine any race in an intermarried blah, 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 they no longer even compose a majority in most American cities and some states. They rank well behind many non-white ethnic groups in terms of per capita income, and millions of working-class Americans certainly don't fit the tired stereotype of privileged. In racist fashion, white males are often smeared as exhibiting collective white rage, yet they commit suicide at double their demographics and more than twice as frequent, frequently as blacks and Latinos. White genocide, folks. This is what's happening. If you don't see it, um, you're an idiot. And uh, if you get butthurt by me telling you that, shove it. Be butthurt again. They were also killed in combat in Afghanistan and Iraq at twice their numbers in the general population. In terms of the hate crime offenders, whites are demographically underrepresented. The most overrepresenting victims of hate crimes are whites of Jewish backgrounds. Well, please, how many of them are real and how many of them are fake? I mean, <laughs> come on. That's Victor Davis Hanson, though. He's part of the Hoover Institution, so he's got to throw a bone to the Jews. Whites commit violent crimes against those of different races at rates below their percentages in the general population. And I'm just, and it was about, that was about the end of it, but I wanted to just kind of get that out there. Um, let's see. We're, I wanted to get this one in. Mr. Producer, get clip two ready. Um, this is some more on the bail ins and, uh, it's getting real creepy, um, this great reset where they're about to try to throw us onto a blockchain uh, CBDC type thing is real, getting real close. And that whole balloon thing, that could be, and, and even Drudge was talking about EMPs, all the mainstream media were talking about EMPs, see they could pull the cyber polygon on us and say, oh, it's an EMP. And when they did it themselves, who knows? Uh, we'll see, but go ahead and roll clip two. After publishing my video report on bank bail-ins, a contractor for the European Central Bank 
who asked that his name be withheld for security reasons, contacted me with the following information. Shortly after the FDIC meeting that went viral, my source was assigned an urgent project related to bail-in capability for the European Central Bank, or ECB. Bail-ins is when the bank steals money directly from people's accounts, just like we saw in Cyprus in 2013. The project goal is to build a data infrastructure for the financial market infrastructures, which are the networks that allow financial transactions to take place, to report to the ECB about the capability of banks and capital markets to absorb losses and to execute bail-ins as quickly and efficiently as possible. This urgent project makes it clear that the ECB is expecting a system collapse and that they know it is uncontrollable and unforeseeable. The current security requirements do not legally compel the banks to provide information to the ECB. If a bank is insolvent, they have no incentive to tell the ECB. And so the ECB is not targeting banks directly, but rather financial intermediaries like SWIFT and large settlement houses. The purpose of this contractor's job is to provide a way for the ECB to pinpoint which banks are insolvent and where the collapse will stem from. This is being done by creating large data lakes, which an engineer can analyze and find meaning at a graphical level. How much bail-ins each bank has to execute and how much of a loss they can take. This is evidence that the ECB is definitely planning on bail-ins as a means of surviving an imminent collapse. And when this occurs, we can expect multiple banks to close and stock markets around the world to shut down, as the banks steal as much money from the people as they deem necessary. Most of this work is being done in private, but there are pieces of information available to the public on the EU's SRB website including operational guidance on bail-in implementation and the operational guidance on bail-in playbooks. The ECB contractor has also pointed out that the latest directives for the European Union's digital service providers states that governments shall appoint trusted bodies for internet domain registry, meaning that the government will have the sole authority on who is able to have a website and that these new security directives allow a gaping hole for a major cyber attack. All right. Um, just, uh, it's a really, when you really think of how this would play out and how it fleshes out when they run this next op on us, the whatever, you know, cyber polygon-esque slash EMP, um, reset onto the onto the digital system, um, really mind blowing, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully we get out of winter. Um, so that's that's just where I, you know, hopefully we get into spring and summer, and could be next winter. Um, you know, you, you just don't know. We're coming, we're coming up on break, but um, so now, 
Yeah, I got a couple minutes. Now we know the real reason they hate eggs, okay? And this is this talks about all the turkeys destroyed, chickens destroyed, um, plane crashes into the food plants, um, all of these chickens and turkeys and ducks and blah, blah, blah. Um, so what they're saying is it prevents COVID or do you understand why the governments are messing with chicken feed and destroying egg farms, ch- chicken yolk? Antibodies, IGYS, block the binding of multiple SARS-CoV-2 spike protein variants to human ACE2 receptors, um, blah, blah. So they're saying that, you know, the the egg albumin and all this stuff um, can kind of hinder the binding of this of these spike proteins in people that have taken – um, you know, with with these shots where eggs can, I guess, a lot of people are theorizing that this is one of the big reasons why they're going after the um, <clears throat> eggs. And so, and then other people have pointed out that Bill Gates and others have invested heavily into the fake egg kind of um, research and then they want to you know it's all leading to the holodomor of the world you know this whole 2030 2025 projections and so forth really depopulate we'll see you guys on the other side Einstein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach, or a favorite song from the past, or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing, healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To read more about this amazing breakthrough and to order your terahertz frequency want, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.